we're here to talk about relationships. Sex, mm -hmm. intimacy, mm -hmm. and when I started preparing for the conversation, it didn't dawn on me till just now that the majority of that focus starts with like yourself. Yeah. In a lot of ways. In a lot of ways, yeah. <laughs> in a lot of ways. And I thought that I was about to sit up here and ask you a whole bunch of questions about, like, what do you do with this and this person? What does this person want? What does this person want? What does this person want? Did a want? shift happen for you? A shift happens. Oh, I can't, our, I can't our, wait to hear these questions. In our conversation, just sitting oh, right, right there. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. some of the things that I, that I have struggled with in relationships mm -hmm. with sex were really just reflections of things that, What's going on with like me? Yeah. Yeah. And so when you go down the sex therapist, coaching, mm -hmm. sexology, relationship, mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff. Yeah. And it's layered. I want to make sure that I'm honoring what you do, the <laughs> okay. framework with which you do it okay. in. So what do you do? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I once was a relationship coach, okay. right? And I was thinking about this earlier, the difference between being a coach and being a therapist. So if I, the way I, the way I kind of have it in my brain as a coach, I might talk to someone about issues they're having with dating. You know, and if they're on dating apps, I might say, well, let's look at your profile. Let's make some changes to the profile. As a therapist, I'm going to dig deeper than that and say, well, where do you think the issues stem? What has happened in your life prior to now that makes you feel like there's some fear or unworthiness or anxiety wrapped around how you date? And then we're going to talk about that stuff as opposed to just dating as a practice. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like it's different. Are you trying to are you trying to achieve something or are you trying to fix something? Yeah. And sometimes so they can be similar. Very similar. And I remember when um, when I first really dug a little deeper into the therapist role, it occurred to me that as a coach, I help you discover things. But as your therapist, I help you recover from things. And I like the recovery process better because you're, gonna, you're, you're going to operate differently if you have recovered from things, as opposed to just discovering that it's there. You can discover all day that, oh, you know, I, I dealt with this and this affected me. But how do you recover from that? Yeah. So. Now, is it, is it, is it the recovery piece that you like more because that's a little bit more reflective of where you are in your journey and what you feel you've benefited from the most when you look in? So I think it depends on the issue. Like some issues I've never dealt with, you know, I may have studied about them, but I, I might not have ever experienced them personally. Okay. Um, and it, and it, 
there is still some piece of enjoyment in the recovery of that because for me, the recovery process is all about helping the client change, helping them, you know, identify the issues. And maybe it's not always the what we call the presenting issue, what you're coming to me for. Mm-hmm. But being able to, yes, deal with that, but then also recover from all the other things that you believe have caused that in the first place. And seeing change, seeing change in real time for that person. One of the things I found out in doing the research, Mm -hmm. I always thought that my initial thought about coaching versus therapists was was that the therapist had a... a higher level or a higher grade, but what I was learning, what I what I discovered is that they're very different things, and and I think coaches get to get to paint with a broader brush, get to get to implement different types of yes. things, where therapists are like more rigid in their approach. I would say I, I agree with that to some level. Um, I think there's there are definitely boxes for both, okay. right? Um, with a coach, yeah, there's a, diff- there's a broader way that you can approach things. But again, you're helping people discover ultimately. You're not necessarily diagnosing an issue and then helping that person use, using interventions that help them ultimately recover from that issue. Okay. And so for me, and then there's a different level of training. You know, like I have to be degree to be a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to have some um, specific training. I have to have some specific opportunity to actually work with clients. And then also, um, if I, I, you know, I have to be tested to be licensed if Mm -hmm. I want to do it as well. So, and then there's also a code of ethics that I have to operate under. So for, for me in particular, as a marriage and family therapist, although I focus on sex therapy, there is something called the American Association for Marriage and Family Therapy. And there's a code of ethics within that. And that code of ethics lets me know what kind of core values I need to be focused on, um, ethics and laws within where I live that I have to follow, or else I don't get to practice. Gotcha. <laughs> so, and I can, and and I don't necessarily have to follow those as a coach. I could probably do a lot of unconventional things as a coach. Right, right. But as a therapist, yeah, you got some rules. You got some. You, you got a box. <laughs> you got a little bit more of a box. <laughs> okay. So, and, and do the aspects of your of your ability extend to like physiology type stuff, like um, premature ejaculation? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So there's like four things within sex therapy that most sex therapists deal with. Um, And it's desire, arousal, orgasm, pain. And so within that like arousal desire kind of area, you got premature ejaculation, delayed ejaculation, erectile dysfunction. These are for men specifically. Um, and then something called Peroni's disease where, now it, I, I chuckle because um, Peroni's disease actually is serious okay. and it's very painful for men, but I'm going to give you some layman's terms on it. It's okay. really a curved dick. Oh, and so there are a lot of women sometimes that really enjoy that. But if it's actual Peroni's disease, then sometimes the penis can be almost at a 90 degree angle and that's very painful. <laughs> your face, your face is, it can be extremely painful for, for men. Um, 
And there are instruments that can be used. There's, you know, sometimes you even have surgery that happens for, yeah. Mm. So it's, it's a, so, you know, there's some women that are like, oh, I like it curved. But for men, if it's curved to a certain extent, no, that's painful. <laughs> You're yeah. sitting there like, wow. I didn't even know that was a, it's a, it's a thing. We, it's a thing. Because to be thing. honest, I don't spend a lot of time talking to my homeboys about, I, Curved dicks. Most don't. Most so, men don't. So, so that's why I didn't even know that that was a thing. So but it's a thing. Yeah. Okay. And shout out to the brothers who <laughs> suffer from that, man. I God bless you. I, I know. Listen. Yeah. Um. So I I come to you with something. Mm-hmm sex related or relationship related. Okay. I've always felt that or at least based on the relate the 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 therapy that I've gone through mm-hmm. that is never the thing that you think it is. Usually it's not. Usually it's not. Like a lot of people really think, "Oh, I'm going to come to this person." And it's like I said a few minutes ago, like I'm going to come to this person because I'm not getting aroused the way I feel like I should be. That that's that's true in a lot of instances, but what else is going on? Like, what are the factors surrounding the reason that arousal has changed for you? Um, one of the things that a therapist can do at that point is do something called a sex history. And when you get into sex history, you're talking about that person's background sexually. You're talking about partners. You're talking about um, instances where you know they can they can recall how they have been informed about sex over the years you know what Mm. kind of education they feel like they've received over the years and then also you talking some clinical issues as well like okay well what age are you yeah you know what kind of things are you doing on a regular basis how's your body change because as we age those things happen and it's going to change your desire level it's going to change your arousal level um you know it's just it's 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 normal to an extent, but if you feel like it's an issue, we will have to talk about what's underlying to get to you know the brunt of why the, the desire is where it is or the arousal is where it is. So does that make sense? One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Okay. <laughs> I want to start with the relationship counseling marriage counseling aspect of what okay. it is that you do yeah. first because i think sex should come later like it depends on the person I, I, <laughs> so since this first is tone the fork love, then comes marriage <laughs> then comes <laughs> since this is tone the fork this is what i believe yeah i believe you're supposed to know somebody first before you just sleep with them you know there's okay. a lot of people that don't do that i know so, so that's why i've just said <laughs> Like you had this pre- yeah, preface, preface. Understood. Because that says something too. Right. <laughs> anyway. Um, what are people generally coming to you for from a couple standpoint? Um, I would say that some of the biggest things that I see couples about is communication. They, they may say like um, during a consultation, oh, you know, I want to work on frequency of sex. But when we start really talking, we're talking about how they communicate with one another. And maybe that is affecting the frequency. Or if there's been, um, you know, some, a life change. You know, maybe you, maybe you just had a baby and you're dealing with uterine prolapse. 
which means there's some other medical attention that has to happen. Maybe you need to see a pelvic pelvic floor therapist. Maybe you need to, um, you know, adjust how you do Kegels. And, And I'm focused on women in that sense of my answer. But then there's also things that are going on with the man, like where, where's the attraction and satisfaction lie for you? What has happened as far as how the two of you communicate at this point now that these other um, factors are in place? So yes, it may be that you're saying, oh, we wanna have more sex, mm-hmm. but we're gonna talk about some other stuff first. So the, <laughs> the communication piece I think is- It's huge. It's huge. We, men and women, I feel, communicate differently. Very differently. And, Very and I think, and, and, and being that I feel that men are a lot more emotional than they give themselves credit for, mm-hmm. and that I also feel that women give themselves credit for. Yeah. So I think that a lot of the, a lot of the way that um, our sexual you know, function shows up, some of it is attached to emotional mm-hmm. insecurity or whatever, or some frustration around communication, and that I don't think a lot of times women understand that connection right. because they just assume in their mind, you're a dude. Of course you want to sleep with each other. But, but you, don't, you don't go back to the communication right. part to understand like what the barriers are. Communication is such a huge piece because sometimes men feel that if I have communicated to you in the past and the reaction you gave me was hurtful mm-hmm. or resentful or accusatory, then I'm not going to say anything else. And not saying something else also comes in the form of now, now my attraction level is off or my satisfaction is not there even though I'm going through the performance of, of sex or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then that communicate something different yeah you know so it's so layered and what I find is that when I work with couples it's so much easier for men to talk about things with me present almost like I'm Hmm. the mediator and why do you think that is well because it's a safe space you know particularly I mean and I can talk about me personally but but like as a therapist I, I create an environment that hopefully builds rapport with my clients. I, I think so. And then, you know, asking questions in a way that pulls information so that we both kind of get the answer, me and the partner. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes you, I can kind of see the light bulb and the partner will be like, you know, and in my mind, they don't always say this. Sometimes they do. But sometimes I'm like, well, what the fuck? Why you ain't say that to me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it's, but it's in that moment that maybe they didn't realize that that's what was happening, whatever the answer is. Um, maybe they just feel comfortable in that moment to share. Um, you know, it's, it's about safe space. It's about having the right questions asked at the time so that you feel like you're being heard. Yeah. Um, because sometimes with couples, you get into the busyness of your daily life that even if you want to express yourself, you don't know if your partner really hears you yeah. or if they hear you exactly the way you're trying to communicate whatever the issue is. Do you find that... Let me, let, before you say that, there's something else that I thought about too. Sometimes there's shame behind the answer. 
based on whatever was, was taught to you. So there's like intergenerational patterns sometimes that are passed down to us that, or, or how we've seen the examples in front of us mm -hmm. of how men and women or, or however the couple dynamic in your home has been communicated. And if I see the adults, if, if all I have seen as a child is how adult, adults respond to each other and it's not good, then I think that's how that is. Yeah. And so when I'm in that, when I'm now in a relationship with you, and you're asking me a question about something that I feel like is really deeply personal and almost hurtful. And I think you might not understand it or laugh at it or um, use it against me later. I'm not going to share that with you. And you're kind of like the safe space that the bridges that and because there's there's no you don't. There's less risk. There, there's less risk with you. A lot Present. less risk with me because after our session is over, it's over until the next time we meet. Yeah. <laughs> and, and a lot of times I try to give people techniques that they use in between sessions so that they don't harm each other in mm -hmm. between that time that we meet again. Because if we have, if we're, if we're talking, you know, if we're having a therapeutic session and we're talking and you and your partner had this big, you know, um, I want to say moment, but that's not even the right word. Like discovery of, oh, wow, this is how you felt this whole time. Yeah. Then I might say to you as homework, do not talk about this again. Hmm. Because if you do, you may cause more harm with each other. Yeah. Of course, I can't, I, <laughs> I can't control whether you talk about it or not. Because you know we're going to talk about it as soon as we get in the car. Exactly. Exactly. Or we just ain't going to say nothing. You ain't going to say a word. What's wrong? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> but that's... But that's, you know, I, all I can do is say, listen, you've shared a lot today. I'm going to do a mood... I'm always going to do a mood check-in. How do you feel? Mm -hmm. How does what this person say, how does that sit with you? Because you need to hear those things. And once you hear those things, it's up to you on how you proceed. And that's real good. So thank you for saying that. Because I think there's this myth. I'm just going to be like, I'm just going to say what I'm about to say. Cause say it. <laughs> there's this myth that exists within women, I feel sometimes, which is I want to know the truth. Mm -hmm. And then when you go to a therapy session and you tell the truth, yeah. that is held against you. Yeah. I know a lot of guys, and I have personal experience with the fact that you... Some, you got a woman in your life because mm -hmm. therapy ain't something generally that a dude recommends you go right. through in a relationship. Right. So somebody, somebody doing this in your yeah. ear, and I'm being very dismissive. So let me, let me, because it, because we did need to go to therapy. Let me get that out the way. So, <laughs> and, and, and if the person therapy. is watching this, right, I don't right. want you to think I was being dismissive. <laughs> yes, love, we needed to yes, go to therapy. Yes. So. <laughs> It was encouraged that we go to therapy. Right. And then when we go to therapy, and I've heard this from a lot of men, when we get into the therapy session, the woman ain't saying shit. Yeah, because she wants to hear what you got to say. The dude is saying all of this <laughs> stuff, and then it's held against you later but at the end. she's been waiting for you to say something. She's been waiting. She has so many questions that she's been waiting for you to answer. And it's always very telling in the therapeutic space because men do and it lets me know this is where you feel safe. 
and you feel like your words won't be weaponized. So why so don't men? Feel. So why don't men feel safe with their women? It goes back to what I said. Like some of the examples that we've been given have been horrible. Let's just be honest. They've seen different, you know, um, examples in their lives of how people communicate with one another, and it's not great. Or they've been taught to, you know, use their use um, their influence one way or the other, whether it's sexual or mm -hmm. whatever else, as the barometer of whether or not you're going to get what you want from me. Yeah. So if you talk to me, then I might open up to you more. But it's also going to linger in my head what you said. And then <laughs> maybe during pillow talk, I'm going to bring it up. Yeah. Because I've, I've let you release in me. So now you're comfortable and calm. Now I can bring up what I really want to know. And that's not okay. No, it's not. <laughs> but it's okay, guys, I wanted to make sure because I thought you were saying it like, oh, this is a great tactic to no, you. No, it's absolutely okay. horrible tactic. Okay, to okay. Because now, again, you're, you're weaponizing the words. Yeah. When you really could just say, hey, can we have a quick check in real quick? Like, it could be over dinner, it could be, you know, and I, I, I do encourage pillow talk in a different way. <laughs> okay. I encourage people to check in with each other, you know, check in with your partner at the end of the day, particularly if you both have really busy lives. At the end of the day, take 10 minutes, just you and your partner. Look, look at each other face to face and say, what's been going on with you for the day? If there's something that you wanted to clear up, maybe you had a text message between the two of you early in the day that kind of didn't sit well with you. What do you mean by that? And yeah. I ain't trying to start an argument. I'm just being, I just want to be clear about what you meant by that. Now, if you know your, your partner is argumentative, don't ask them about no text message. Mm -hmm. but, <laughs> yeah. but there's also you know, opportunities for you to have those times where you say, okay, we, we're not going to talk about that now, but on Wednesday at 6, that's our time to talk about shit that's been bothering me, yeah. so I really want to, to put that on the table. Is that okay with you? You know, We don't do enough of that. And it takes a therapist sometimes to say, it's okay to use this as a means to open up communication between the two of you. But you have to have agreement between the two people. Mm -hmm. If you don't have agreement, it ain't gonna work. This is a great, I got so many thoughts in my head. <laughs> I got so many. They're I so, hope I answered that you question. You did. I feel like I might have no, you did a little bit, but yeah. You got, listen, <laughs> this is for me. And okay. if they get it, good. If they don't, I don't good, give a shit. Good. I got it. Okay, good. So, Being raised by a single mom mm. mm -hmm. who's working her ass off, who doesn't have the time yeah. to process. She's going from one place to another place. Mm -hmm. And if you're a little boy and you're observing these mood patterns, right. you don't necessarily know where they're coming from. We don't know if, if what we're observing is the right way to process that emotion. Right. Or the wrong way and in a lot of cases we internalize that what we're seeing is because of something that we did or didn't do in some way shape or form and when you don't have that communication that that, that, that open communication between your mom yeah. in a way that 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 is healthy and constructive because yeah. as you were talking about the patterns mm -hmm. and why men don't feel comfortable talking to 
they're women sometimes. I'm imagining me mm -hmm. getting getting that imprint of this is what that emotional mood is like, mm -hmm. the imbalance of it. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to add anything to that right. to make it worse. Because when women talk, they're dumping. And I don't mean this like in a negative way. I'm just, yeah. I'm just trying to speak as, as direct as I can. Oh, no. They're dumping so much shit sometimes. And, there's n and the man doesn't feel like he has room. Mm -hmm. And it's not that we don't want to talk. It's that there's no room. Right. And I don't know how. Is this therapy help with that? It does. It does. But the right questions have to be asked for that. Um, I, I, I think sometimes checking in with people about their capacities to, to, to hold this, the, the thing that you want to share is really important. And we don't know how to do that. And it takes practice. First of all, it takes learning that, that that's a thing, um, and then practicing it and, and, and giving each other permission. So um, I'm going to step back just a little bit to one of the things you said. Earlier when we were talking about intergenerational inter patterns, we focused on male gender. Um, and then you brought up single moms. So there's, some, there's so many layers sometimes to the things that a single mother or single parent in general holds onto, that as a child seeing those things, we have no idea what we're, what we're seeing, what we're witnessing. Um, and we don't know how to ask questions about that. Or we can say, you know, mom was wrong. And they say, oh, nothing, baby, because you're a child. Yeah. You don't have the capacity to hold whatever it is that's happening with that person. Mm -hmm. um, and I say person because sometimes it's a single father. True. Um, but it made me think of, because um, I was raised by a single mother. You know, I'm giving a little self of the therapist here. Um, there, we have no idea what real experiences they're having with their relationship, particularly if they're not in front of us. So if there's an instance where, you know, there was marriage and then divorce, or maybe never marriage at all. You know, back mm -hmm. in the day, people had whole families in different places. Yeah, around and the corner. Was, yeah. <laughs> and you, didn't, you can't ask questions about that. I yeah. mean, you can, yeah. but what answer were you going to get that you understood as a child? And yeah. so there are so many different things in, in our community specifically. And I speak from, from that lens because that's the lens I live in. Understood. <laughs> yeah. Um, that are confusing, but they are ingrained in us as a way to operate. Mm -hmm. And so we become adults that learn we don't talk about certain things in certain spaces. Number one, because we don't know how to. Yeah. It wasn't modeled for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or there's some shame behind it. Mm -hmm. And so if at some point you found out that there was another family or there was, you know, some, some infidelity or whatever, whatever it could be. Um, but it was always kept quiet or it was always uh, talked about in a way of disdain. Yeah. You know, you, you then hold that as the way to operate. And until you get into a space where you're with a partner who makes things safe, meaning the physical space around you, the emotional space within you, and then, and then also 
um, lets you know that it's okay to grow within those spaces, you're not going to talk because you don't know what to say. Do you find in your therapy sessions that it's important for men to feel safe? Absolutely. It's important for everyone to feel safe, but particularly men, because it is oftentimes, you know, I want to say their first inter, it, like it's their first um, experience with therapy, but sometimes it's not. And, and I'm going to say this, sometimes ther the therapy experience alone has not been great. Mm -hmm. And you leave it without, be without healing and recovering from whatever yeah. it is that's happening with you. And because you had an experience with a therapist that didn't necessarily go well, you don't go back for years. Yeah. And then when you come into that space, again, that's the example you've had. So now, you're on, not only are you carrying you know, the things that have happened in the past, some of them could be you know, trauma, some of them could be just mis, you know, um, mishandling of different scenarios that you never got a chance to talk about or work out. But then also when you tried, you had a fucked up scenario mm -hmm. with a professional. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> um, a good point. Yeah, so it's all those different things sometimes, and until you get with a therapist that's a good fit and that can really, you know, ask the right questions, mm -hmm. um, you, you may, it may take you a long time, even in that space, to open up. And as you're talking, I really feel, uh, I don't think that there are a lot of differences say this there are these preconceived notions that we have about what the other person needs mm -hmm. and most of that is based on societal standards of man woman needs desires and those sorts of things cultural cultural aspect. very much so mm -hmm. and we don't, we just, we just move with the assumption that this is what it is. And then when we respond based on all of that, mm -hmm. and there's a disconnect in the process yeah. because we think there's a lot different there. So, and, and the reason why I use, and I'm specific sometimes, or I try to be with the word, safe isn't a word that I hear men say right. a lot. It's something that I hear us talking about for women but it's not something that I hear us directly say for men, but men need safe spaces. And because in my mind, the default is of course women do, right. but we just don't, we don't name it specifically for men. And so when we talk about how we, how do we create these spaces mm -hmm. because we're calling them different things. Yeah, you might call it, I, I want to feel comfortable. Yeah. I don't feel comfortable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's really, it's really it's safe. Really safety. It's really safety. Yeah. And sometimes a therapist can ask the right questions mm -hmm. to your point to get to the root of what it is. Because once you, once you peel all the layers back and you see you in the other person, mm -hmm. that's when empathy and, yeah. and, and, and grace. And the opportunity for validation. Yeah, there you go. You know, I like that. So if, if I empathize with where you are, then it's easier for me to validate the emotions you're, you're expressing. If I don't empathize with you, I can hear you. I can accept that there's some things that you're sharing with me, but I may not validate you in a way that continues to allow that safety to be expressed so that you share more. 
What's a good way to validate? Um, sometimes validation comes in the form of saying something like, that must really be difficult to talk about. Thank you for sharing that. Sometimes it comes in the form of normalizing something that's expressed like, wow, you know, I can understand how that is real hurtful to share, but it's normal to feel that way based on that experience. From a therapist standpoint, we validate, we, we validate often because we look at it from a lens of having information about where people sit in, um, we mentioned it briefly, I didn't label it as such, but things like clinical issues that come into play. Um, having a layer of cultural competency that when we're talking to someone, um, for instance, you know, we've kind of talked, we've, we've thrown cultural competency all through this conversation. When we talk about black community, when we talk about um, how you might be raised with a single parent, how those messages get mixed into your mindset of how you then operate later as an adult in relationships, all those things are cultural competencies. Mm. And so from a therapist standpoint, if I already kind of know what statistics say about how people communicate based on those spaces that they've grown up, socioeconomic status, you know, um, again, uh, gender, age, the, 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 the fact that you may have had a one-parent home as opposed to a two-parent household, you know, and even when you think about, like, how respect is happening in the space of your home. Like if there is uh, multi-generations living in your home, hmm. what's the respect level? What's the communication level? What, are you, what have you been allowed to say over the years? All those things come into play when I'm able to validate where, what you're sharing, whether it's hard to share it or whether you are finally at a place where you feel like, Whoo, oh my God, I've been waiting on this. Let me just, let me just tell you everything. Yeah. It, it depends on the person, of course. But a therapist that, um, that keeps that skill at the forefront can validate and also normalize that, of course, you feel that way. You share that this is where you come from. It makes sense that that's how you would internalize some of these things that you're going through. These kind of relationships disturbed when we don't take the time to know what it is to say, to know how to sense to introduce you at this point <laughs> we've just been talking <laughs> the person you all are listening to is a mother i am is a novelist is a relationship therapist is just an overall beautiful creative spirit <laughs> thank you K.S. Lewis, <laughs> thank you, thank, thank you. you so much for coming on and, 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 and talking about all of this stuff. There's a little bit of me in every question that I have. <laughs> I might not say it directly. There's a little of me in every I, answer. I, I, I might not tell you what part is me or what part <laughs> it isn't. Don't have but I, um, yeah. I'm thankful for the opportunity to just um, 
talk about some of these things and just expose what a lot of common challenges are and, and how you overcome them and the fact that one of the things I'm learning in my relationship with my wife and we're, um, we're married, so that means you got ups and downs. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we might be at a place now where we're a little bit more on the downside, mm. but I'm in the boat. Yeah. We're going to keep going. We got somewhere we got to go, and that's the end. But if people don't get to see what the journey looks like, when you live it, you think something's wrong with it. True. When really it's just, you know, you bump, you scrape, mm -hmm. you know, but you, you, you heal, mm -hmm. you know, you learn. Mm -hmm. And in therapy, I feel, gives people an opportunity, at least for myself, to sift through, you like, you know, what it meant, what you can keep, what you can put away, yeah. and just helps you, you know, make sense, be, give you insight into your blind spots. Yeah. And, what a, and a lot of what I'm hearing you talk about is just that, like giving people who genuinely care and want to work to not just be a better partner, but a more self-aware human. Yeah. Because um, you, you, I, I think you are a better partner just by default if you're more self-aware of what your shit is. Yeah. I think it's all about, for me, um, when I was on, the, on more of the relationship coaching side, one of my main things was helping people be their authentic self. Because if you are showing up as your authentic self, mm. everyone around you is going to benefit. Yeah. And you don't have to hide. Because you have an awareness of your things <laughs> to that point. There's still a lot to learn about you. As long as you are breathing, yeah. as you go through the lifespan, there's going to be something to learn. And so if you accept you, and you understand that you're not perfect, you're gonna make mistakes, you own those mistakes. When you are having trouble owning the mistakes, you know where to get help mm -hmm. with that. Then everyone around you will benefit. So, raised by a single mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for the most part. She, the she did get married at, at some point. <laughs> Damn, brother, right. she don't even remember you. Right, right, no, I'm no, just my kidding. bad, my I'm bad. Shout out to I'm the bonus dad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> black people in therapy are not synonymous with one another. Mm. I think it's getting there. It's helping. It's it's it's, it's improving. Out there that are improving, and I love yeah. that. I love that, and yeah. I love somebody with your background, your 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 vantage point, and your skill set to that 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 people who look like us can come to and, and, and really feel connected to the work. How did you get on this journey? I can't, I can't imagine it just being an easy road. It wasn't an easy road. So my first experience with a therapist was when I was going through a separation from my former husband. Okay. And I, you know, I thought, oh, okay, yeah. Let's do this. <laughs> I'm still leaving this motherfucker. But let's do this. <laughs> see? See? You know? That's what I'm saying. When your wife tried to get you to go to therapy to save it, 
She already knows she's leaving your ass. Some no, I'm just do. kidding. Some people I'm do. I, in my in my <laughs> experience, I knew based on you know things that what were happening was going with on. us. I got you. Like, yeah, we can do this, but it's gonna take an act of God at this point for me to stay with this dude. Um, but I I I I had this experience like I've been talking about where it became more about me as opposed to me and my partner. Mm-hmm. And so it intrigued me once I decided, I don't want to do couples therapy anymore, but I really think I need some individual therapy. Because there's some stuff that you mentioned that I didn't want to get into in the space of my partner being present, but I want to tap into that because I need help with that. Um, That was then, right? It became a little bit removed because when you, sometimes if you've never experienced therapy and you start and you start, you know, uncovering these things about yourself, it's scary. Yeah, very. And you don't know what to do with it when you leave that session. And so I stopped therapy. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, hell. Damn, that's what's underneath that rug. I didn't want to talk about that. <laughs> um, and then as time went on, I was just like, mm, I want to touch that again. Mm. Because you begin to hit roadblocks in your life. And there's like this little thing in the back of your head that's like, mm, okay, I kind of think I know what that is, but maybe I should have a professional talk through that with me. Um, aside from that, I was always being put in these, these situations where people were coming to me about things, and I'm like, hell, I don't know, you know? <laughs> but I really did know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, I yeah. realized that, um, gosh, I, I can help people so much more if I actually pursue the, the, the education behind this because mm. I'm telling you what I believe but let me, let me get some background with that. Let me get some real knowledge behind that. Let me get a, a, a license behind that. And shout out like to all the licensed therapists. That takes so much work. I'm working on, I'm finishing now. Um, but that's how I got into it. Just, you know, always, always being approached by friends by, um, you know, I work in higher ed and so by students about their, their issues and things that they were experiencing and giving advice, but feeling like I could probably help more if I had more ed- education. Um, in 2020, I became a certified relationship coach and it, it just ha- started happening again. I would have these clients and I'm like, yeah, I can help you discover some things about yourself, but you need some recovery that needs to be folded into what we're talking about. And I need the clinical background to do that. So I pursued the degree from that point. When you date dudes, when you tell them what you're a relationship <laughs> coach or you deal with like Ooh. sex functioning, does that make them feel a certain way? Yeah, it does. I, and, and then I have to turn me off sometimes because the way that I ask, the way that I just talk to people sometimes, my friends say, stop therapizing me. That ain't even a word, but it's our word yeah, now. You yeah. know, like that's a word in my, in my, my close relationships <laughs> now. Like, stop being therapy K. I don't need therapy K right now. And it's hard sometimes. Very hard. Because when I hear people say certain things, I'm like, and I don't ask a lot of yes or no questions. Me neither. <laughs> and so I'll say, well, well, why do you think that happened? Yeah. And it's like, damn it, I don't know. And I don't want to talk about that with you. Yeah. Okay. 
but why did you react that way? <laughs> you know? So it, 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 I have to turn it off, especially but, like in my, in my close relationship. Do you though? No. Okay. I just want to make sure. Cause I was about to tell you, don't turn that shit off. I Let don't. The, okay. But I, but I do recognize yeah. when, when it's there, I'm not the person that mm-hmm. should enter that space with right. you. Right. Got you. And sometimes I'll say, have you thought about therapy? It ain't got to be with me. It can't yeah. be with me, actually, if I know you. But I can make a referral. Okay. If you're ever interested. And I'll leave it at that. What I love about the fact that it's, it's you. <laughs> it's, like, it's like in your... It is. It, and, and I think that's awesome <laughs> for you to be you all the time. I know, but sometimes people around me don't like me being me. Listen, I, I so... <laughs> Everybody tells me, I got a homeboy. We got to argue one day. Every time we fucking talk, I feel like I'm on a tone and fork episode. Uh-huh. Let's just have, but this is just mm-hmm. who I am yeah. at this point. Like, but I will say the healthy, there's healthy pieces of me that say even I have to turn that off mm. so that I can just be my silly self. You know, like when I'm, when I'm out with my girlfriends, having a, a drink or having a cigar. Oh, yeah. I'm not getting ready. First of all, I don't even want to hear about that. <laughs> Got you. Same, I, I same. Wanna, you know, I want to just be able to unwind. Yeah. Um, so, you know. It, but that, but but those parts of you are also you too. Yes, yes. You just you just you just you just creating room for yes. for for the fullness of so, KS. The authenticity of me, and I think that's healthy for everyone. I think everyone should be able to operate that way. There are sometimes when it's appropriate to talk about what's happening with you and talk about you know the um, the whether or not your emotions need to be regulated in a certain way and how do you do that. Yeah. And then there's times when you just just have fun. Mm-hmm. Like don't think so deep about it. Just yeah. enjoy yourself. Yeah. If you can't do that, then yeah. Something's wrong. There's some. There's you a need therapy. Level up. You need therapy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know what's making me ask, but I'm gonna ask. What kind of little girl were you? What kind of kid were you? Oh gosh, let me think. Do I even know? I do. So I have um, aunts and uncles that told me I was very shy. Okay. Um, I used to hide in the closet if there was too much going on. <laughs> I didn't want to be around a whole bunch of stuff. Um, probably always intuitive, always observant, always trying to figure out like why things are happening around me. I think as I, as I got older, I began to be really inquisitive. So I started out real shy, um, grew into a person that asked a lot of questions. Some would say I was nosy mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of developed into who you see now. We share a lot of that. Oh yeah? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. I, was very, I, I started out, I was extremely shy. I wouldn't mm-hmm. talk and I wouldn't even tell people that I was hungry and I would go hide like in the hallway mm. and it was dark and people would have to go look for me mm-hmm. and be like, where are you? Come on in here. And they try to get me to like open up. But I just, I didn't like the, 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 the overstimulation of like a bunch of people and a bunch of sound yeah. just always made me want to go in mm-hmm. and like retreat to some degree. There's still a lot of that in me now. Like I take, uh, I take large amounts of people in doses. I can't do a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, 
And so I, I'm not a big partier. Okay. Um, you know, to this day, I'm not a big partier. Like I, I probably had a stint of that in college, but I enjoy being at home. I enjoy, you know, like I used to tell people, I could lay in my bed all day and be happy. <laughs> I could watch TV for a whole weekend and catch up, binge watch. Yeah, same. And be the happiest person. Like I'm not that type of person that has to be out doing stuff all the time. And I recognize that I need a balance. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I'll go and do this and do that. But I'm real choicy about that, particularly now. And particularly because I am a therapist and I don't want to run into, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like she's sitting up here with a bodysuit on looking like Catwoman. Right. And I'm about to talk to her about all. Right. I'm not doing that. I got you. So it just depends. But, yeah, I'm, I'm still quite introverted on a lot of ways. When you went to therapy, did you and you and you started develop going to going? Mm-hmm. How much time do, do you feel? And you can speak either for you or for like your 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 clients. Mm-hmm. What percentage of the time would you say is focused on in the beginning? I'd say on like childhood stuff. Is it important to go back a lot of times? Um, I think it is, partic- uh, particularly based on whatever the presenting issue is. Okay. So I think sometimes just in conversation, if something comes up that says that that's a signal that we need to talk about your childhood, then yeah. I mean, you'll do something called an intake session. And the intake session is going to give a brief history of who you are. And you'll get a chance to talk about how you were raised, your, um, you know, whatever the parental structure was whatever um, family kind of environment you grew up in. And a lot of times, particularly with my clients, when we do that intake, there'll be some things that I pinpoint okay. to come back to as we, as we kind of go down the line of therapy sessions. So. How would you... Are there things that someone could be looking out for in themselves that would you know, kind of point to the fact that they need to go to therapy? Um, you know, people come to therapy for a lot of different things. Often, particularly since I've been in this, um, in, in this field, uh, a lot of people are very apt to understanding when they have anxiety these days, mm. um, trauma. So I'm, I'm gonna give you some buzzwords, right? Anxiety, trauma, like um, sexual issues, um, depression. And as opposed to sitting with those things and letting them kind of fester within you, therapy is a great space to come and talk through that, whatever whatever level it is for you. Um, But again, I say it as buzzwords because up until this point, maybe like within the last few years, People held that and held it for almost their entire adult lives Mm -hmm. without realizing that it was showing up in other ways in their lives. And they didn't know why, you know, they were so quick to to argue with people around them. Um, Or so, you know, or, or maybe they go through these moods that put them in this sad space throughout the year. Um, or maybe when the seasons changed, they didn't understand why they were sad. 
And it's, it's now that we have so much access to social media and so much access to information being shared that we understand, oh, I could be experiencing these different things and a therapist can help with that. So. I wanted to shift the conversation to the sex piece, if okay. possible. Yeah. But I wanted to talk about, I wanted to use that in the context of I don't think, how do I say this? I don't think, I don't feel like for me personally that sex was just sex. Okay. In the way that we generally use the term. Okay. Does that make sense? Explain more. Okay. <laughs> what I like, why I like it, how much I like it, pointed back to something else that okay. had nothing to do with sex. Okay. It was just showing up in sex. Right. And, and, and so for me personally, to, to have a, a conversation about sex is always an attempt to talk about something else that is impacting the sex. Mm -hmm. For me, one of the things is how I see women shifting. Mm. I wasn't shit for a long time okay. on how I was treating women. Mm. You know, and, and, and I remember hearing women say stuff like, men don't like women. Men hate, or, or that man doesn't like women, or you don't like women. And I was like, I don't understand. I never could understand wow. what that meant. I was having a lot of sex. Was out here wilding out, was doing all kind of crazy shit in the acts mm -hmm. of sex, mm -hmm. but I had a perception about women and my access to them, mm -hmm. what I felt their role was, mm -hmm. um, based on what I felt their value and perception, and my perception of their value was. Right. And as I'm getting older, I feel that as that is shifting, mm -hmm. so is how I perceive sex. Yeah. Isn't that wonderful, though? To have that. It is. <laughs> that <laughs> aha moment. Yeah. Because it was like, <laughs> if I want to do these certain things to a woman, mm -hmm. can I really say I like them? Sometimes unhealthy sexual behavior expresses itself in compulsive fantasies, compulsive acts. Um, and we don't know where that comes from, but nine times out of 10, my, my opinion, my opinion for anybody out there that might be like, that shit ain't in no book. My, <laughs> my opinion is it stems from images that we've seen over and over and over that we misinterpreted. So pornography for one, mm -hmm. um, messages that we've been given by people around us that never had therapy. <laughs> you know, it could be um, friends, older brothers, even, you know, um, mothers and fathers, and, or just like, you know, people who took care of us. Um, 
and never having the opportunity to ask questions that would explain what we were experiencing or what we were seeing or what we had confusion about. Yeah. And then there's a lot of societal messages over the years that have told us how we are supposed to treat each other. And if we took those messages in, then we are going to continue, particularly as a black community, to treat each other like shit. It, it's only until you get back to like what we've been saying, our authentic selves and have an awareness of where we may have fallen short over the years, get some help with those things, and communicate in a, in a real and honest way without attaching shame to it. Because mm -hmm. there's a difference between shame and guilt, right? Yeah. We can talk about that. But until we, until we create space, safe spaces for each other, we may never get that memo. We may never get it. And what you're, what I feel you're describing, and again, this is my opinion, like you said, my opinion. <laughs> this is my opinion. It ain't no, in no book, but it, 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 at least in terms of the definition. <laughs> we could write a book about this shit, though, you know? <laughs> That's intimacy. But some, some of us, I'm going to lump myself into this one. Some of us never understood that intimacy does not always have to do with sex. Most of the time, it has nothing to do Most with yeah. sex. Intimacy is about how you communicate to another person about what you feel about them. And it's also within you. So how do I feel about me? Yeah. Where's my level of self-love? And if I have my level of self-love on the up and up, then I'm not going to let you treat me any kind of way. Yeah. And if you don't like it, then you're not the right person for me. Mm -hmm. I, we, don't, we don't always understand intimacy. Or the messages we've been given says intimacy is about sex. It's not. It's not. <laughs> intimacy goes back to communication. <laughs> yeah, and safe and feeling and feeling safe. And, and, and I think too um, of an uh, image uh, uh, that pops into my head because I think like an image is sometimes mm -hmm. like uh, energy that can that can flow both directions. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's, it's a, there's a level of synchronicity. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a synergy almost in between two beings or multiple beings. Some people, you know, have have more than just one partner. Um, but it's, it's the allowance of being who you are and having acceptance from that other person. And feeling at ease with expressing those things to that other person and having it reciprocated. So what do you do when someone comes to you and says, I don't give a fuck about all that. <laughs> I just want to have some sex and I'm trying to find a better way to, 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 to do that. Okay. I mean, there are some people that feel that way, but that just says you're just trying to, you know, have space to hook up in a safe environment. Okay. Yeah, sex clubs for that. Go have, go, go have a ball. Okay. <laughs> or two. <laughs> okay. Okay. And, that, and that's okay as well. Like, sometimes people are very clear about what they need, and... I'm not here to judge you on what you feel you need. Now, if you feel it's compulsive behavior, if you feel there's a danger 
in it in some kind of way or if there has been some if there's been something unhealthy that's been expressed through whatever the behavior is if you're operating in an unhealthy way then we can talk about that and talk about the why behind that and where that came from how do you how do you how do you get to that mm -hmm. on the surface level though like if it's um it's about questions questions that i might ask okay like how often are you having sex how often do you think about sex what type of sex are you having? Okay. You know, do you feel like having unprotected sex on a regular basis in an environment that's unsafe is okay? What are your fantasies? What, what, what kind of fantasies are you having that make you feel aroused? Hmm. So I, there's a lot of questions I can ask that gets to the brunt of whether or not you're, ex you're expressing healthy or unhealthy behavior. How do you feel, do, do you find that people are having more um, sexual challenges now? You mean, in what way? What do you mean? Like just in terms of, um, function. So when I hear you say that, it makes me think of um, desire and arousal, not necessarily performance. Because some people think that they're performing well and knocking it out the park every time. But okay. unless they ask questions and um, have an understanding of whether or not that partner is receiving them in the way that they're giving that performance, um, it may not align, may not line up the way they think it is. Because so, I'm wondering how, like, how, how over-sexualized mm -hmm society is now with the images and with porn and OnlyFans and all of that. How is, how, how are, how are these, how is this added stimuli impacting relationships with people or is it, or is it impacting sex or is it impacting intimacy? I think it's impacting both. Um, but again, hmm, it's kind of, so yes, it's impacting both. Right. Okay. But, Everything that I believe with intimacy and even sex is about communication and consent. And so you can see all those different things and you can think, oh, that's the way I do it. But then there's this other part of it where there's a lot of really good communication and really good education out there. So there's, there's I don't know if it's a balance. I'm not even going to say it's a balance. I'm going to say that for... Um, as much as we are inundated with messages that are really screwed up as far as how people enjoy sex, there is a contingent happening that I'm seeing where there's a lot of sex educators out there mm -hmm. and um, a lot of platforms that are dedicated to saying this is actually okay and here are the ways in which you can express it in a way that might bring you more pleasure. There's a lot of people that are talking about pleasure in a different way. Um, I, I, there's, a, there's some, some different things I'm, I'm following on social media where they show like all these different sex positions, like a sex position of the day. I, there's, I, I wish I could remember the name of it, but um, as opposed to just showing an image, they give you um, information about the position and how it can be utilized with um, able bodies, with disabled bodies, um, 
you know, where the pleasure point might be for it. Like those things are good information to have. Mm -hmm. um, but just having a video pop up where you see two people, you know, you see a porn, you know, porn couple fucking for like an hour and you think that's that somebody orgasmed off of that. No. Nah. OK, <laughs> there's a, well, I, we don't have to talk about how porn works, but <laughs> good point. You know, but yeah, so there's, for as much as we have had to um, consume the wrong message, there's a contingent happening that I'm noticing where we're getting good information if we pay attention. So I, um, you hear about these statistics with women and orgasms and stuff like mm -hmm. that. A lot of women aren't having orgasms right. in, during intercourse. Right. There's so many other ways to have an orgasm, though. And what happens is their partner has to be open to hearing them say what they like and what they don't like and having the opportunity to trial and error. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, okay, we might not be able to, you know, get an orgasm out of, of, of I'm, I'm saying we, I don't mean we. <laughs> Two partners may not be able to get an orgasm vaginally if it's a man and a woman. It doesn't have to be a man and a woman. But, you know, there's clitoral stimulation. There's um, breast stimulation. There's all kinds of other ways that an orgasm can happen. That takes, again, I just feel like we keep going back communication. to communication and consent. I'm yeah, going to start throwing yeah, consent in. Yeah, yeah, got Because you. Um, sometimes what I have noticed is that one partner may think that they're doing something that the other partner is going to like, but they don't ask that partner permission to do that. And so you end up like, oh, yeah, this is what, you know, this, this is what some past partners have enjoyed. And the result was an orgasm, but it might be against my comfort level. It might not be something that I'm familiar with, or it might be something that I've seen that, that gave me a level of fear mm -hmm. that I haven't shared with you. So can we talk about that first before you do that to me? <laughs> Again, because you already did it. Because you probably tried it already, yeah. and I just didn't know it was yeah. okay for me to say I don't yeah. like that. But you didn't get the result that you wanted, and now you feel some type of way because you've never, you know, sometimes I, I hear people say, I ain't never had no issue before. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Everybody say that. Right. And, they, and guess what they didn't have before? An issue. issue. <laughs> but it goes back to, you know, all these other layers that we've experienced. Like, what? okay, so what was the message that we were given about sex as we were growing up? How have we consumed sex as we have gone through our years up to this point of me being with you and you ain't never having this issue before? Really? Yeah. Is that really true? I want to touch on the thing you just said. What, mm -hmm. what, what would be a good opener or conversation starter? How can a, how can a woman approach, what would be a good way for a woman? I can't get the fucking sentence out. <laughs> Take your time. Take your time. <laughs> what would be a good way for a woman to approach her, her partner if she's struggling with achieving orgasms, but she's concerned that it might impact his, his ego. Yeah. So the impact on ego is a big thing. 
And it would be interesting. So it would be nice to know why that, that ego is impacted, like what has happened in the past. And it could go back to what we just said, like I ain't never had no issue before. But maybe there was and you just weren't told. It, it really takes partners that feel comfortable enough with each other to be honest and to allow that space like and that that's where intimacy is right mm -hmm. like if our intimacy level is at a place where we feel comfortable with each other to share openly without fear that our words will be weaponized or that i'll feel some type of way after you say whatever you say or even if i do feel some type of way you you still i still care about you and you still care about me enough that i know you don't mean it to harm me such a different level of how you communicate that some people never get there, but that's almost where it has to be. So, the, so the woman, the woman's trying to take charge and yeah. over her, over her situation, right? Yeah. And 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 one of the ways I feel she's going to want to do that is by at least trying to broach the topic. She can broach the topic. Another way she can do is to lead by example. So maybe you're not understanding the words that the partner is saying. Okay. But will you allow her to take your hand or whatever body part and show you in that way? Or will you watch her? Maybe she can show you herself what has happened in the past that has given the response that you both want. Okay. What will you allow? And sometimes you can just ask, would it be okay if I showed you something that I enjoy? Would it be okay if I take your hands and put them in a place that I enjoy? <laughs> and again, okay. if you care for that person, if you trust that that person is not there to hurt you, you allow it. And it can open up a different level of pleasure within the experience. We're getting older. Yes. <laughs> the way I see women is changed. Mm. Therefore, me seeing them all as somebody I want to conquer and pursue and get access to has also changed. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I'm married now, so right. just, let me make sure I because <laughs> right, yeah, right. I saw you. I saw your look. You're like, Nigga, ain't no, <laughs> I knew what you meant. <laughs> so, <laughs> what I really wanted to say in that moment is congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. What role does getting old play in sex? And is it okay for your libido to, to, to reduce? And is it something wrong with you because you don't want to go as much as you used to? Or No, it's not anything wrong. And whether you want your libido to change or not, it's going to happen. <laughs> It don't need your permission. <laughs> you, it, won't, it, won't, it won't wait for your permission. There will be changes that happen as you age. Um, you know, it could be libido. It could be desire. It could be, um, you know, it, it could be a lot of different things. 
a lot of times I'll talk about, you know, what is the level of um, desire that a person has in seeking medical treatment or doing things naturally. I'm a big proponent of trying to, to do things naturally. Um, so there's a lot of food and spices and herbs and things like that that you can use that will help. Um, but then also how you view your partner and the ways that, we're going back to the word intimacy, are expressed between you and your partner will allow for the change to be okay. And so I may not be able to lift my leg up a certain way or whatever, but there's different things that bring you joy as you age that don't necessarily include penetrative sex. Some people always, you know, some people get it in until well into whatever age. Yeah. But for those people who, you know, who have um, differences in those areas, you have to learn to express your love and express your intimacy in different ways and to be okay with that because it's not just changing for you, it's also changing for your partner. Um, and that's what I feel sometimes we're, we're trying to fight the inevitable in a lot of yeah. cases. And, so, and, and, I, and I do want to acknowledge that I recognize that I'm speaking in very broad terms mm -hmm. for as if I'm talking about all people. That's a, No, we're not talking about all people. That's why I said there's still some people that get it in. Yeah. You know, or or there's some people that use medication. You know, there's um there so this is not this is um my own pet peeve. I see, I see that there's so much more attention given to male sexual dysfunction than women. Hmm. Like when you, like, I've, I've done a lot of research on it. <laughs> so, okay. So there's really only like maybe one, two at the most, but I really want to say one, approved medication for women when it comes to dysfunction. What, what is this, what is, what is not functioning properly? It goes back to those four buckets that I talked about, pain, orgasm, arousal, and desire, right? So that's expressed both with men and women, but... When you talk, remember I gave you that whole long list of things with men mm -hmm. that included like... Um, the 90 degree joint. <laughs> the 90 de degree joint, premature ejaculation, you know, um, erectile dysfunction, delayed ejaculation. There's so much attention given to helping a man perform when it comes to those things. And then you'll see where there's a lot of articles and research that say where it's women. Oh, it's just an issue with her desire and satisfaction. Hmm. Like what? What you mean? <laughs> it's definitely so. You're saying there are, there are lists for women too. Well, I believe. Yeah, I believe so. I believe that you know there's um, there's arousal disorder. There's issues with orgasm. There's issues with uh, libido. There's issues with dryness. There's issues with pain. But we don't get as much focused mm. attention medically when it comes to that. That's an issue in the system. That's an issue with the field that hopefully, you know, as, as time goes, that will imp improve. But, and now I think I may have forgotten your, your, your question. Um, the dysfunction for the women. Yeah. Like what, what could, what could, what isn't functioning properly? So, I mean, again, but, but you just named them. Yeah, I named yeah, those. Yeah. Um, going back to aging. If, so there's something, there's a, there's a technique called sensate focus, right? Um, I'm saying right like you know. Sensate focus? Sensate. Sensate. S 
S-N-S-E-N-S-A-T-E, focused. That is all about pleasure. But it's about ple building pleasure and feel, figuring out where you can touch one another or where you can touch yourself and have those pleasurable feelings without sex. And so one of the things I think are really important as we age is understanding mindfulness and sensate-focused pleasure. Because that will help. If, if lying next to your partner and being able to caress one another in a way that allows you to feel pleasure without necessarily putting a penis in that's not working the way it, it worked 10, 20 years ago, that's going to continue to build, to, to maintain satisfaction between a couple, as opposed to feeling like there's a problem because he didn't you know, refill his Viagra prescription or go down to the gas station, get a gas station pill, whatever. I'm, I'm joking about that, please, God, don't do that. But <laughs> I know some people who go and they say them joints work. I, I mean, I ain't never. <laughs> yeah, there are people that use them, but I can't, you know. I ain't fooling around with it. <laughs> I, I can't, you know, I can't confirm or deny because I don't know. Um, but yeah, you know, making, making it okay to age and understanding that it's inevitable. And so how do we maintain the level of satisfaction that, um, that we've had over the years without necessarily having to end whatever the, the, the night in sex, without mm. having to, to have sex, if we're not able to have it in the same way. Yeah, I just, I just wanna, the thing that you were saying before about uh, like just embracing who you are, mm -hmm. you know, there's, we're, there's so much incentive now to not. Mm -hmm. There's industries around mm -hmm. trying to make you feel younger, make you look younger, make you yeah. do this or that and the third. I love that my wife's hair is gray. And I can't wait till all that shit is gray. Because mm -hmm. it's like you, you, look, you look like you didn't live. You look, mm -hmm. you know, distinguished. You know, all, all of that kind of stuff. And it's like th this is the path of life. Yeah. To just move from one. You had your fun. You did the things that you were doing. And the sensate thing sounds. I had, when there's a lot of emphasis on sex, I feel like, let me, how to say when there's a lot of emphasis just on sex mm -hmm. itself, like the penetration, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. intimacy is, I feel, lost. Yeah. Because there's not a lot of conversation and talk about intimacy yeah. unless it's something that I feel, oh, let's talk about intimacy so that it can lead to sex. Right. And it's like, no, the, 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 the objective is intimacy, it doesn't have to lead to sex. It can just be that. And to me, that's the real, in my mind, as we're talking about this stuff, like where a lot of the work is done mm -hmm. in, in trying to create that energy that just flows 
yeah. between each other. And if it leads to sex, then that's fine. Right. It leads to sex. But at least you got a great person you can communicate mm -hmm. with. Y'all feel safe with one another. Y'all pillow talking mm -hmm. and checking in, making sure everybody got what they need. Now, right. let me put this thing in you for a little bit. <laughs> but right. but all of the other stuff is already, yeah. you know, addressed. The, the sex can be a culmination when all those other things are in place. Yeah. But often, that's not the message we've received for most of our adult lives. I never received it yeah. until recently. Yeah. To your point. So. And so I. We don't know what to do with that. We we believe that the intimacy is a means to an end, and the end is sex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, really, the 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 end the, the the means to an end to intimacy is intimacy. Right. More intimacy. More intimacy. And 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 more satisfaction. Yeah. Between the yeah. partners. And a stronger connection between yeah. them. Yeah, it's yeah. a. Because if the intimacy is there and the connection is there, the satisfaction is going to be there. And if if all those things are in place, when you want to have sex, you're going to get the result. Just a straight pass that you want. Ain't no obstacles. Yeah. You just open the door. Yeah. It's like walking around. I was about to yeah. say walking around wet. <laughs> you can. <laughs> you can. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can. Who do you think struggles with intimacy more? I think if I, so if I were to place gender on it, I would say probably men. But I don't know as we were talking earlier about education changing, um, you know, how messages are now getting to us and how people are being a little bit more vulnerable in what they express. So, I mean, we, the, both genders, both men and women have issues with intimacy. I think we express it in different ways. Me, me, we being women. Um, I think we express it in different ways. Men feel a little like, you know, can I be vulnerable enough to express what my desire is where intimacy is concerned? Do I even know what intimacy is? Um, because some women don't know either. Let's be, let's be clear about that. You know, sometimes we're also receiving the wrong messages for many, many years. And so, it's hard until you begin to express whatever your definition of intimacy is to understand whether or not you're missing the mark. Does that make sense? It does. Okay. <laughs> it does. I bought a, I got some cards over there, like some uh, intimacy cards. Uh -huh. um, we did it one time. <laughs> I think we need about maybe like about a year ago. So yeah. I think we, I think so we. So what was the result of that? I think we learned that we weren't asking. It was the communication. And it was what, what, what was what I thought was cool is that it broke a pattern that we had developed mm -hmm. in our own communication style. Mm -hmm. um, it created it prompted different types of questions mm -hmm. that we typically wouldn't ask yeah. between each other. Um, and it triggered subsequent conversations yeah. out of that. Yeah. And I thought that was um, really cool because I, the reason why I asked you about the men and women is because I think women think mm -hmm. they are good at intimacy, mm -hmm. 
because of their ability to talk. Mm -hmm. I was going to say talk or express themselves yeah. differently than men. Because mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're saying a lot. Like when my, my wife come home from work, mm -hmm. I get this much information. <laughs> right, right. And I love her. Uh-huh. And I listen. Yeah. But. Because if you didn't. Be a problem. Be a problem. So be a problem. <laughs> right. But when I, now she might say this much and in my mind there's like this much mm. that is really the, the core. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So if I were to come home from work as an mm -hmm. example, I'm going to give her the core. Mm -hmm. And because it's not quantity mm -hmm. from a male standpoint in terms of communication, it's the quantity, it's the, it's the, it's the, it's not quantities, the quality right, right. or the, the, the like this is what this really means something. Yeah. So because I'm not doing a whole bunch of rambling, it, 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 it's implied that I'm not talking. And because she's doing a bunch of rambling, it's implied that she is talking. Yeah. And that is what I feel sometimes confuses women to make them think that they're that they're doing something that they're not. Right. In a lot of cases. It goes back to communication and it goes back to how we learn to express ourselves to our partners. So if if the message that we received as we ate, as we went through, you know, um, childhood, adolescence or early adulthood is that someone who loves you is going to listen to you. Mm. And you need to share with them who what's happening with you, who you are, how you feel. Yeah. You're going to get this. Because that's what it's thought you want to hear. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like you said, really, you just need to know that. Did you eat today? Are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> and on the flip side of that, men have been taught that if they give this, why? Why are you giving me all that when I didn't ask for all that? I just need to know that you're okay and you ate. Yeah. So as we have been taught to accept gendered messages that way, then it's going to come in the form of women are so much, they, they understand intimacy so much more when really it's just a different lens of how intimacy sits with us. And which is why it's so important to build the intimacy with your partner separate from that idea of how it looked society-wise or how it may have even looked in your family. Like it goes back to when we were talking about the connection and how the two of you communicate. Mm -hmm. If you communicate with your partner what you need and they provide what you need and they make you feel safe, that is going to build intimacy. So you can choose then, do I feel like giving this today? Some partners will love that. Yeah. Or are there nonverbal communicating messages that I'm giving you that says, the only thing I got capacity for today is this, and that's okay too. So I'm going to show up for you differently because we've expressed that our intimacy looks this way. And that requires so much self-awareness. But it also requires the ability to um, be in tune enough with your partner and to accept them. So yes, self-awareness, but then also accepting the other person. 
and not feeling some type of way when they can't give you this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not often does that happen. <laughs> oh, you know from experience? Well, no, I know from my clients. <laughs> they come in and they're like, I just want to... <laughs> um, one of the things that I hear often is men saying that I just want to know that, that they're okay. And I got to go and do this. I got to leave. I got to, got to, I got to go to work. But they call, the partner will call me. We will say bye. I'll see you later. I love you. Have a, have a great day. When you say have a great day, that kind of signifies, I'm going to talk to you later. Later. <laughs> but by the time they hit the car, the partner is calling them. Oh, is everything okay? Yeah, I just, yeah, I, I, I just thought we would chit chat on your way to work. Why? We just talked. We just talked. So that says. <laughs> <laughs> so while the 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 partner that is doing the calling is is saying this is what builds intimacy, the other partner is saying, "Damn, give I can't even." But that don't <laughs> that don't build intimacy. That builds right. frustration. It, it, right. So that's a great, that's a, thank you, thank you for that. <laughs> what am I trying to ask? Is that intimacy or is that just conversation? It's a mixed message of intimacy, and that goes back to how did you learn intimacy? What did you believe intimacy looked like as you were accepting the messages? What was modeled for you? Mm. Goes back to what do you need from me to show you that I care? So mm. if I leave and I say I'm going to see you later, does that say call me when I get in the car because I just can't get enough of you? Or does that say this is the only, this 20 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour, commute, whatever time, is the only time that I have to myself and I need to refuel and I need that. And I love you, but give me that space. And there's nothing wrong with you. Yeah. But I need that space. Like, if those things aren't communicated, then you're going to get the frustration that you mentioned. Like, damn, you're just calling me to talk. Yeah. Whereas the other partner is like, damn, I call, I, I'm calling you because I care about you and I just want to hear your voice. I just want to express to you that I enjoy, I enjoy talking to you. But when I call you, it sounds like I'm frustrating you, which means you don't want me. Yeah, and it's seen as rejection at that point. And then you're rejecting me. So you see how just without communicating about what's needed, you're going to get all these layers mm-hmm. that build into a problem. <laughs> yeah. Because then you're sitting in front of me and it's like, well, he don't talk to me. And you're like, hell, we talk all the time. And if you like to talk, because you just said, I like talking yeah. to you. Yeah. That's different than saying, I like listening to you. Yeah. So when you call me in that 20 minutes, more than likely you're spending the majority of time talking. Okay. So the, the, the energy that, that flows back and forth mm-hmm. for the intimacy thing 
In my mind, I just see the energy just going one way mm -hmm. and there's no room for the brother. There's no, there's, there's no room. Why? Because right. I like talking to you. Right. And think about it like this. There are some scenarios where one partner is at home, maybe with children, you know, or maybe no one. Mm -hmm. um, or just in an environment where they're not talking with someone that they care about or feel free to express themselves authentically. Whereas the other partner goes into these spaces where they feel like they can be themselves. Yeah. And so this person who doesn't point. have that ex environment to be freely expressive is about to have an extended time frame where they don't get to feel like themselves. And so they're calling because I'm about to go through multiple hours in my day mm -hmm. having to limit me. Mm -hmm. And you are the person that I feel most comfortable with. Yeah. So I'm just going to keep this as much as I can. Whereas this other person is like, damn, <laughs> I ju we just talked. Yeah. And when I get back, you're going to talk. You're going to talk. And, and, and again, where's the room? Where, and I swear to you, I swear to you, it's ain't in the book. <laughs> it ain't in the book. Men got feelings, y'all. Oh, yeah. We got a lot of feelings. Yeah. We don't show them in the same way that women do. We show them very differently. Most the average man is extremely fucking emotional. Where do and those feelings go is my question if it, they don't go to their partner. They go, they go in mm -hmm. and they start turning into other things that are, that are uh, not constructive. Or you might just start shutting down. Yeah. Because a lot of the feelings that we have as men have to come up so that we can get familiar, so that we can yeah. have practice with managing them. Mm -hmm. And in most cases, if we put them down too far and they come up, the only way we have practice of managing that kind of fear is through like anger, mm -hmm. um, you know, like through blowing up, maybe like mm -hmm. some physical violence or, some, or something like that. Not that I'm not excusing any of that, but I'm just saying like right. these are ways. And it's, it, because we don't, we, don't have, yeah. we don't have any practice. And a lot of times the reason why we don't have practice is because we're not in situations where we have the room to right. practice. Because and, you're showing up differently for everyone else that needs you to show yeah, up. And, 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 and it is assumed yeah. that, oh, he can handle it. He's okay. He's okay. Mm -hmm. He don't need, he don't need, he good. Mm -hmm. And inside, he's going ape shit. Mm -hmm. And can't tell anybody. Think about it like this. When we, can, when we consider traditional gender roles, Men have always been taught, you are the protector, you are the provider. At no point was there any space or modeling of where your feelings go mm -hmm. in those roles. So, and, and women have been taught, we're talking about traditional gendered roles here, so I don't want nobody coming at me. <laughs> yeah. Are taught, you are the nurturer, and that man provides and protects you. And so I'm going to tell you all the things that make me feel safe around you. But I've never asked you what makes you feel safe around me. Yeah. 
And if I don't ask you that, and you choose to share that with someone else, now I'm mad. Yeah. Because I'm saying, what have I shown you that says, I, I don't want to know that? Well, here's an idea. You just haven't, it's not that you've shown you don't want to know it, you just haven't given space for it yeah, to be given. No space. <laughs> and, and, and what I want to, what I want to challenge men to do is to expand their concept of what protection is. Yeah. The more tools you have to protect, the better protector you will be. Yeah. And sometimes it, sometimes those tools of protection are about understanding when to allow yourself to be protected. Say that again. Sometimes you must learn what you need to feel protected in order to be the best protector. Damn, I ain't even, that ain't even where I was going with it, but that, <laughs> but that's a really good point. You know? I don't know. A lot of people don't. I don't think I know. A lot of people don't. If I, just because I'm in the home that I provided doesn't mean I feel protected in the home. And so if I'm constantly in the role of provider and protector and head, what happens when I feel scared? Who do I go to? If I come to to my partner, how will that partner look at me? Will they feel that I'm less than what I claim? Or will they understand and carve out a, a safe space for me? That ain't even something I've ever even thought about. But it's real. And it's and it's and it's as I'm sitting here talking about, I need to think about that, for real, for real, think about it. Mm. Because being heard, mm -hmm. validated. Mm -hmm. Normalized. That's, that's, that's how I feel mm. safe. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, if you haven't expressed that, your partner's never had the opportunity to show you that they can do it. And I don't think I've ever asked her. Yeah. We tell you, listen. <laughs> but it'd be some bullshit. I need you. <laughs> don't be real. Well, but, no, uh, I'm, 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 yes. I'm, I'm in a. No, I hear you. I hear what you mean by that. It, we express it in a way that men feel like, of course I'm going to do that shit. Okay, you want an alarm on the house. Done. Yeah. If, if, if somebody, you know, tries to approach us, you want me to stand up and, and, and physically protect you. Done. That's I'm speaking what, more to the emotional. You want me to hear you. Protection for women, when though. You, when you talk. If you cry, you want me to be there for you, yeah. right? Yeah. But we've never allowed you to tell us what you need to feel that same level of security. And it might look different. 
Because contrary to what some people might think, it's not in our vaginas. It's not in there. No. That no. feels good. It's not in there. I guess. <laughs> glad, I, would, I don't know. I'm so glad you don't know. I'm so glad you I don't, don't know. know. <laughs> what a vagina feels like. I have no idea. <laughs> I've been told it feels great. But, <laughs> but that is, it can soothe to an extent. Yeah. But it's not the totality of safety. There are probably some people that would get real mad at me saying that based on whatever their beliefs are or the chakras and things like that. I, I'm all for that. But the, real, the realism of how we operate in relationships, we need a different level of safety. I never thought we would be talking about what we're talking about. When we, and it's, a, it's, so, it's so refreshing for me. I'm glad. It's, it's, it's good for me, too. <laughs> when I went to therapy, it was a job finding a competent mm -hmm. therapist that I connected with. Mm -hmm. And you're the first person I've had on in this capacity and I've talked to a lot of people about going to therapy and stuff like that and one of the things that I'm very honest with them about is that it's 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 a it's a it is work yeah. and about in just about every sense of the word not once yeah. you get there but finding the motherfucker yeah it can be can be a very a lot of work especially if you don't know what you're doing if you've never done it before if you don't have like resources yeah. so you've got to and, and, if, and if you get into an argument with your girl and she says, oh, I'm going to reach out and talk to somebody, you call one person and then you, and then you just give up or whatever. Like it's a it's a it's work. So I'm saying that I'm, I'm saying that to open up the question. What advice, how does someone. What advice would you give someone as they start the process of looking for a therapist. For me, it was a critical to have a black man. Mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. went to, I went to the white dudes, I love them, they was cool, yeah. but it right. didn't work. Right. So, yeah. and I didn't realize that until after I did it, yeah. to know what I needed, but that was a part of the work. What, what, what advice would you give people on their process? Um, a couple of things. So sometimes it is trial and error, unfortunately. And that can be frustrating, right? Um, I would say having an idea of what you need. You don't always know what you need until you get into the process. I keep saying unfortunately, but that's real. Yeah. Um, if you know you want a person of color or a person that's within the same, you know, um, ethnicity as you, that's a good start. Yeah. Because there is a layer of knowledge that they're going to have being part of that community. Um, also, looking at their credential. Like, what do they specialize in? If there's some things they specialize in that you know you want to approach in the therapeutic space, they know how to handle that. There may also be some things that they can uncover that you never even knew mm -hmm. or imagined would come up in the space. Sometimes you know it and you just think, oh, I ain't going there for that. 
but a skilled clinician will pull that out of you. Um, so there, I always say referrals are really great too. If you have a friend that has a really great experience with a therapist, ask for a referral. Um, but yeah, I would say start with, it goes back to the cultural competency piece that we talked about too. People that look like you sometimes, oftentimes, understand part of where you're coming from. People that have the clinical background of what you are interested in, in addressing will have some knowledge about that. Um, those are my two, those are probably two of the best ways to start. Okay. And uh, then also, I'm sorry, also not being afraid of changing someone new if it's not a good fit because sometimes we start and we think this was hard I've already shared so much I don't want to have to do this all over again but if you are not being helped or you don't feel like anything is really benefiting you you got to go to somebody else don't waste your time your money don't waste anybody your healing yeah don't waste your time. Don't waste the, the clinician's time. <laughs> I mean, you're going to, to some extent, you're, you're going to pay, pay that them. clinician regardless. <laughs> but most clinicians want to help. <laughs> and if they don't, if they're not the best fit for you, that's okay. Like, I practice from the lens of a certain therapy modality. And I tell people that up front. When I do the consultation, I say, listen, number one, I'm a student. <laughs> and so I have a clinical supervisor that I um, talk to about my cases that gives me insight on what, what direction I need to take. Second, I use this lens. And if this lens is not for you, that's okay. But you need to know that up front. Mm-hmm. I, 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 so I'm going to say I um, like strength-focused, strength-based modalities that help people understand that they have a lot of power within them and they just got to pull it out. So one of the, one of the um, ther- therapies with that is called solution focused. That's what my lens always is. Not, mean, not saying that I'm not going to use something from some other therapy style mm-hmm. in the process, but I'm coming at you from a strength-based concept. And could that be a question they ask the therapist when mm-hmm. they go out? What what is your what is it your 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 mode your modality? Um, yeah, you can something like you know what type of therapy do you use as your focus? Okay. Um, what type of uh, you can say modality, but it really is like what what type of therapies do you norm, normally use? Okay. Yeah. What type of theory do you base your work on? You are good. Thank you. I already know that. I appreciate that. Yeah, I I can. You're you're good. Thank you so much. You're um, personable. You're um, you're funny. You're black. And indigenous, and that helps. Your mom. (laughs) I am. Yes. And 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 for the right person, that that would that would work very well your skills i mean i i can tell that you're thank you you're good at what you do thank you i appreciate and, that and um how can people get in contact with you are you taking patients clients or where are you in that 
So it's really funny. Um, I typically do about one to two consultations a week. I have a very limited window right now. And I guess that's a good thing. But, um, you know, I, I'd rather people just reach out. So if they reach out to me with either of the practices that I'm a part, I'm an intern with. Uh, one is called the Pincus Center, um, which is um, for those who are in D.C. Um, near DuPont Circle. And then the other is Blue Box Psychotherapy, which is based out of Alexandria, Virginia. Okay. So I am um, a psychotherapy intern with both of those practices. And they can reach out to me at either one of those places. Both are online. Thank you. You're welcome. For having this conversation, <laughs> for giving me an opportunity to, to ask some of these questions and just share some thoughts about relationships. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to have some different kind of conversations with my wife. Um, thank you for that. Um, I'm excited for people to hear this conversation because I think it I think it I think it's gonna help a lot of people. Um I'm feeling I, I, I have so many thoughts in my head, but I'm just so you happy. Look like you're feeling all tingly inside a yeah, little bit. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a it's a it's a great feeling. Good. I thought we were gonna be talking about something very different. Okay. In my mind. <laughs> Communication. Consent. Intimacy, 